Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello and welcome to the First and Fifteen podcast. This is the Southern Region coverage and my name is Jay Palmy. I'm delighted to be joined by our regular panellist, Lewis Phillips. Howdy. And Ryan Homolome McKeevney. Hello. And today we're joined by one special guest from the London Flash, Brian Tabor. Brian, welcome to the show. Let's go. And I think vaguely in the background as well, we might have some random devils that pop in from time to time as Home Alone seems to invite them over for some sort of sleepover. Um, but if you hear any suspicious noises in the background, just attribute them to uh, JT. Very good. Guys, we've had our last weekend of flag football for the regular season. It feels like an absolute blitz. Um, it's gone by so, so quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's certainly been a, an up and down season for a lot of teams. There's certainly been a lot of churn, certainly some big moments. But before we do a season wrap up, let's let's dive into some of the fixtures that were were notable from the weekend. And Home Alone, you're going to start us off with some of the Premiership fixtures, I believe. Um, and you wanted to talk with talk about Phoenix Northants Titans first, which was 32-19. Certainly. So that was um, to the Phoenix. Um, I pulled this one up in our pre-game um, day show as well um, as one to watch um, and by the sounds of it definitely delivered um, I think obviously Coventry winning that might have been unexpected for some um, but I've got a game day report here from um, Matt Burke from the Cardiff Hurricanes so thank you very much for that Matt um, he said that it was a very mixed game to be fair um, but everything from a passing perspective um, from sort of drops to sort of stops as well um, so it sounds like both teams went back and forth a bit um, but he said that Coventry was just a bit more clinical um, and executed better to score, um, with the Titans having some drops um, for touchdowns as well. Um, so he, he kind of mentioned that Coventry would kind of just keep plodding along, he said, gradually getting away with it. Um, but I think that's in a complimentary way. Um, he said that Kieran Eaton had a really, really good game with one of his plays running down the sideline with a safety side-by-side -side as the ball's thrown to the end zone. Ball hit the safety on the back and bounced up um, and the safety gave up and stopped as if the play was dead but Kieran stayed alert and dove towards the ball to make the catch um, and he said that was really the difference for it is that Coventry just kept finding a way to punch it in where the Titans were their own worst enemy really um, they were missing uh, Matt Tibbles their starting QB so I think we'll see a different North Hans, um in the playoffs but either way I think that's a very big win for Coventry and definitely one to note yeah, it's interesting you say Matt wasn't there. So so without their starting quarterback, they still managed to score 19. Brian, Brian, you've obviously played both these teams this year. What would you appraise this fixture like? Is this a surprise for you? Um, yeah, I think without Matt there, it makes sense as to, you know, why they didn't pull it off. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it, you know, the, the Titans, are, their defense is really, really solid. When we played them, they had the American that went back recently um so i don't know how how big of a difference that's made i mean i'm sure on the right side um you know he he covered just completely shut down that right side when i played against him so i don't know who's replaced that player i'm sorry i don't know his name but i just know he was, was solid um so that definitely is going to be a difference but i think um yeah i mean if we played phoenix if we played them in the rain so it's really hard to tell i know that um, you know Ben's got a massive arm, and obviously when it's a torrential down downpour, he can really sling it far. And when he did, he had so much velocity on it. His guys are having a hard time catching it. So 
Um, I think, you know, it, it kind of makes sense how this one shook down based on that report. And even with that loss, it's still enough for Northampton Titans to clinch a first round bye in the finals picture, which we'll go through in a bit later. Um, and Coventry sneaking there at 11th as well. So all round successful result on the day for both teams. Um, let's move to the other side of the division then. Home Alone, you wanted to talk Flash VPP. Yeah, and I'll uh, pass over to Brian, considering he was oh. playing in that game. So I think Brian will cover that better than I could. Yeah, this 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 was I'd say game game of the the year for us from a standpoint of just pure heart and courage. I mean, we went into this game day, we only had nine uh, players available to show, and that the whole week it was basically getting injury reports from my guys as to what's wrong with them, and we went into it with you know nine guys available to play. Uh, of those nine, only only three were healthy. And by the end of the day, none were healthy, including myself, which sprained one, my finger on my right hand. So uh, it, it was just everyone was just beat to the point where, you know, my center, uh, Matt Dunn, who came, we pulled up from Spark to fill in for our Dom Fox, who went down in uh, our home game that we hosted. Uh, he had a significant uh, knee injury to where all he was able to do was basically snap the ball and then just find space a little late out to the left or a little out to the right. And so we kind of masked that as best we could, actually chatted with some of the VPP guys afterwards and asked if they, like, how long it took them to figure out that that was the case. And they said they really didn't recognize and they thought that was just his route. So we did a good job there, but it was, it was really, really tough because everyone was so just physically battered and our, our, our big player on defense, uh, uh, Phil Ireland, who's, you know, I think he's leading the league in sacks. He got stuck on an island off the coast of Cornwall. Uh, so, so he couldn't even make the game day. So the one healthy guy we're thinking this is going to really help us out on the defensive side of the ball to put pressure on their quarterback, who has a huge arm and can throw the whole pitch without too much difficulty. Uh, we're not going to be able to get to him quickly enough that that's going to be a big problem. So they, they you know, came out swinging and it really was just a shootout from the beginning, you know, to the end. Uh, I think at one point, at the half, I think they were up two scores. And um, at that point, it, it wasn't looking good. But basically, we knew that if we didn't win that game, that we weren't going to beat the Devils. There was, there's no way that, that was going to happen. And our chance to make the playoffs was was to beat VPP. And, uh, you know, Jamie, my slot receiver, was having a heck of a game. He took a knock to the head. I think he was blitzing the quarterback. And the quarterback's arm went up and hit him in the head and cut his head open a bit. Um, so he had to leave the game for a little bit. And then on the ensuing, ensuing play after that, Dockers got the wind knocked out of him trying to intercept the ball, which I think he actually did catch it. Um, and then we kind of switched to offense and my slot receiver is out getting his head sorted. Dockers can't breathe and says, all I can do is a one yard curl. My center can only do a delay and slide out left or right. Uh, Andrew Cooper had a had a, a shoulder injury to where he couldn't lift his arms above his head and you know radu still uh, had had some challenges with his his legs so basically it's like all right we're down two scores and uh this is what we got we, i don't really have plays for this but it was just look we got to figure it out and just you know play with all heart and uh, get the job done and ultimately it came down to a final game-winning drive to where you know we, we were down six and uh, we're about 10 yards out, and I, I, I saw the defensive formation. I had a play where basically the center does a wheel route, kind of slants out in the flat and then wheels up. And I said, we haven't had you go further than five yards all game. If, if he could actually run this route, 
I can get it up and down to you in the corner of the end zone. So before the snap, I just went up to him and tapped him and said, can you do this route? And he's like, yeah, I got it. And I was like, okay, well, now they know I'm going to you, so this is going to be probably more difficult. But he ran it. He gave it everything, ran the route, dropped the ball in the bucket in the corner of the end zone, caught it. And then we converted the extra point to to go up uh, by one, and that's how it ended. And, you know, defense, I think we left him with 44 seconds to go or something like that. And the D just stepped up and, and – uh, you know, got a stop when we needed it, and that was it. But we're we were completely, <laughs> completely done at the end of that game, and uh, which then led us to the Devils game where we just had a good time. Now, and there's a couple of questions I've got out of the back of that. The first one, I'm looking at the stat sheet, and I'm seeing Andrew Dockerell with three interceptions on the day, which is probably the only thing he didn't mention. Um, just give us two minutes on. <laughs> Sorry, Docker. Thirty seconds on his. Thirty seconds on his day. He was awesome. I mean, Dockers was playing both ways, you know, because he had to lead the defense. And then when when Jamie went down, Dockers is our our you know next man up for receivers. Um, and you know he came in and he got a touchdown in that game as well. And uh, but even you know just being winded and you know when he had that issue, he you know he still he didn't complain. He he just did his best to run the routes and at least be a distraction when he when he couldn't go and. Um, he led the defense well, and it's just it's really hard when you know that you've got so many guys who are trying to manage expectations and their injuries, but you still have a job to do. And it, it kind of felt like you know like playoff hockey. You know, obviously that's that's my background. It's just like nobody nobody was even though they were injured, they played through it. They didn't want to admit that they were hurt, and no one wanted to let the other guy down, and didn't want to show the other team that they were hurt. You know, and just really just got the job done. But yeah, Dockers was was awesome he's he also messed up his shin and you know he hasn't he's kind of like been injured to the point where he hasn't been able to really even walk that well since the game day so everyone again just let it all out and afterwards their bodies told him that was not probably the smartest idea but uh it was a good we got the result but yeah dockers had a huge day for us and there's probably a question in, in terms of insight there as well is you know, the, the London, I'm going to call it smoke, flash, spark setup, however you refer to it as a collective, um, have sort of struggled with injuries throughout this year. Is there any particular reason why that's happening or is it just damn bad luck? I think it's damn bad luck. Um, you know, it, last last year we had a lot of injuries due to you know, our pitch, you know, when the, the, uh, when it was really, really dry in that summer and basically it was just rock hard at, at Clapman Cone where we trained. There's a lot of guys getting injured just to the ground was too hard. This year, it's been just all kinds of different weird stuff, and there's just you know that you can do uh, about it. I think, you know, we're all athletes and fit than others, but you just can't help it when an injury happens. And you know, Smokes had a lot of you know key players go down. We've had a lot of key players go down. Uh, Spark has too, and it's just, it's it's crazy to the point where you know I, I said at the beginning of the season, especially after the game day one, where you know we we handily not handily but we you know we beat the devils that was a really tough game but you know we were fully fit devils were fully fit we had a, a true heads up matchup against them and we came out on top in an extremely good game and made us think all right cool you know we're confident we can handle this we just have to keep healthy if we can keep healthy we should be you know top four or five team probably in in the premiership based on that performance that's how we felt but um yeah unfortunately with everything that's going on with our injuries and internal trades, et cetera, you know, the, the team has changed over the season to where, you know, the, the offense that I, I had for game day four was completely new. Like no one was in their same positions and just kind of had to re- redesign the playbook to accommodate with different skill sets and kind of start over and, and ever not injuries throughout too. So that it was hard to get people to rock up. It was just a really, really challenging, 
you know, end of the season. So the, it kind of like, uh, to, especially going to this last game day with the injury reports coming in from the guys and saying, hey guys, just so you know, this is what's going on with me. I literally was looking in the sky for the anvil to fall on my head. But uh, <laughs> I, felt very, style, right? I felt very wily Coyote um, yeah. <laughs> on it. But uh, yeah, fortunately, you know, we, we knew the position we we're in. It was up to us to, to earn the playoff spot. And that was our goal. Our goal from the beginning of the season was two things. You know, don't get relegated. Um, and make the playoffs. That was it. We thought if we could do those two things, that's a successful season. Obviously, one more important than the other. And, you know, we knew that midway through the season, the first job was going to be done. But we didn't know until that last game day that we were going to make the playoffs. And at least we achieved that. So now, you know, going forward, we can say we had a good successful season and just, you know, go into the playoffs and have a good time. Absolutely. And we'll get on to playoff talk in a minute, but let's move on to the other fixture home alone that you circled and staying with VPP 46, Aylesbury Vale Spartans 48. Gosh, you've got to feel bad for VPP here. They scored 45 and 46 respectively and come away with two two losses. Yeah. And I think the difference for them between staying out of that promotion relegation game is probably only about three points um, together. Um, Again, I'll pass over to Brian because I think he's got the report for this one. Um, But it, it again, it looked like a thrilling game. Yeah, the when as soon as our game ended against Devils, it just started pouring down rain, so we all bailed. <laughs> um, but uh, I got a I got a report from Lee from uh, Lee Andrews from the VPP, and he basically just said that, that he said the weather wasn't a factor. By the time they actually started that game, it had cleared up again, so weather was not a challenge. But mostly, it was just a shootout for them as well, back and forth throughout the whole game. And he said that he thought that they were more successful going over the middle to score than than uh, Aylesbury and Aylesbury was attacking more of their outsides. Um, but he said it all came down to extra points that they were unsuccessful on some of their early work, earlier ones and they had to go for twos. And that was just really the difference was you know, not converting on the extra points. And that's why they lost by the two points. Yeah, good foreshadowing for a fixture we're going to talk about later. But extra points make a huge, huge difference at this time. And, and as you say, collectively three points has seen them in that relegation spot, which is is a real tough ask after. I, I'd say, I mean, looking completely at scores, and guys tell me if I'm wrong, they've definitely been competitive in the Premiership. They've not exactly been blown out every week. Um, but yeah, really, they're, they're, really they're a really good results. squad. They're a really good squad. And, I, you know, again, I want to give them max credit for, you know, the way they played. You know, they're 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 actually... Uh, they're they're training again. You know, I guess that was that was kind of part of the challenge that I heard from from Lee earlier in the season was that they really weren't training even at the the game day when we went to cross conference. Um, they said they weren't really training at all, and it was after that the cross conference game that they kind of had a come to Jesus moment within the team and said, you know, if we're going to get relegated here if we don't start showing up and and training, and so they started doing that and. Um, you know, you can see the massive and showing up with numbers. I think the first couple game days they were showing up with like, you know, seven or eight guys, and lately they've been showing up with you know twelve or so. So getting more guys that come up, they've had a couple new players they've added to the squad. Their blitzer, I think his name is Pierre, is really really good. He's fast, he contains, he doesn't miss pulls. So they're they're a solid squad. I mean, you know, and we'll get I'm sure get into uh, the matchups later, but I, I definitely think that they're. They're not one to be thinking that uh, you can walk over them, you know, in that those matchups. I think yeah. Home Alone touched on it halfway through the season is that like they they got really screwed by the schedule. They had a really tough start of the season, some really rough games against the likes of Smoke, um, and and you know 
that might have like people may have sort of written them off just from having a slow a slow start in some really tough games. I have no doubt that they will survive their promotion relegation. They'll be in the Premiership next year. Hundred percent. And they and they get the benefit and correct me if I'm wrong, Lewis, of playing because of the unbalance of the divisions. There is three Division One teams that are going to be in the promotion element of it, and then the, there's one Premiership that are in the relegation element of it. So they've got a they've got a good chance in the base on the base of the fact that in theory they're playing the third seed from Div One in the East. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they'll they'll play Coventry Panthers, uh, Bucks Wolves, and uh, Spark. Spark. Yeah. Spark. Yeah. And you'd, fancy, and you'd fancy them on paper to get out of that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think they'll have any issues um, with that game day. I, I think they'll probably come out of it um, as the top team from there. So I, I don't necessarily think they'll need luck, but um, best of luck to VPP for that. So yeah, we'll talk about finals in a minute, but let's wrap up the division. So at the top, we've got London Smoke, uh, a perfect 14-0, and 0, followed by Northampton Titans 12-3. and 3. Devils in third at ten and four, Chester Sharks nine, one and five, Flash eight and six, Phoenix eight and seven, Cardiff Hurricanes seven and eight, Aylesbury Spartans four, one and nine, VPP four and ten, which sees them in the relegation spot for the East, and then Cheltenham Neptunes at three and twelve, Cowan Cougars at zero and fifteen, seeing those guys in the relegation spots for the West. Uh, an impact on the finals then, so. The South are represented by six teams going to the finals. So London Smoke and Northampton Titans get a bye each, being in the top four, followed by Reading Devils as the sixth seed, uh, Sharks as the eighth seed, Flash as the tenth seed, and Coventry Phoenix as the eleventh seed. Guys, any just very final bits on the Premiership? Any teams we are surprised during that in that finals picture? From my perspective, not really. I, I think, at least from what I've seen in the South, um, I think maybe the better teams from there have gone to finals. Um, I, I think Smoke will definitely be the standouts for the national title um, in terms of the actual overall win. Um, but no, I, I think every team that is going, at least from the South, um, deserves to be there. And, and I think we'll all be sort of very eager to, to go out and cause a shock. I, I know we've got um, I think quite a few Southern teams scheduled to play each other in the first round, maybe even the second round, depending on how results fall. Um, so I think there'll be a fair bit of familiarity. Um, yeah, you guys have got the Phoenix in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a very close game um, within reason to the for our game against them this year. So I, I, absolutely, I don't think you can overlook anyone in terms of winning or losing individual games. So I think the standout for me is is less of a standout who's in and more of a, an omission. Obviously, they've had their troubles this year, but um, with with Joe Cottrell going down, but the Cardiff Hurricanes missing the playoffs for the first time um, is, I think, headline worthy. And I, it was quite close as well. I mean, they they they. I think the I can't remember what game it was. Their last game, they won it, but they didn't win it by enough points to overturn. Um, to overturn uh, their their points differential, which allowed Edinburgh to sneak in. Yeah, I, I think I mean Northants have definitely taken advantage of that gap that's been left by Cardiff ha- having their issues in terms of injuries, right? Um, but I think from a Cardiff point of view, I'm, and and having seen a few of them at the Welsh Bowl very very recently, they probably will appreciate the 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 breaking flag. I would think just to regroup a little bit and probably get life back to normal a bit and and, and rebuild for next year because that team's really built to win things and and going in as maybe the 16th seed wouldn't have been ideal for them. 
Yeah, and they'll they'll be back next year and right back to yeah. the top. I'm confident yeah, about sure. it because they're, they're so so solid. And you see guys that were playing on an opposite position just because they're shorthand game days, and they they're starters on any other team in that role, you know. So they're just they're great athletes, and when you get a whole healthy you know squad for them, they're going to be right up there, you know, neck and neck with Smoke again for sure. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. No, good stuff. So that is the Premiership coverage. Let's move to Division 1, and we'll start with some of the fixtures in the East. Lewis, let's talk Sharks B, Bucks Wolves, which was Sharks B 19, Buckinghamshire Wolves 13. Yeah, obviously uh, not there uh, myself, but um, but this certainly jumps off off the page. This is a, this is a big win for Sharks B, who've just been sort of trucking along quite consistently I think is definitely the word for for the Sharks and they uh this season and they got their opportunity this year um uh, a depleted Bucks Wolves squad and um uh, no no Aaron uh, 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 quarterback um so this was a game for the taking and I think they definitely uh capitalized on that and that's definitely a headline um for me the the Sharks be taking one off the Wolves Absolutely, and and just looking down the stats of the uh, of the game, Matt Smith, who's normally the quarterback for the Sharks, obviously plays a bit of safety as well. Two interceptions on the day. Sam with Sam Ford with one as well. Turnovers clearly a bit of a factor in the game. It's obviously low scoring. Don't obviously know what the weather was like. I know we had some atrocious uh, rain for the for a British summertime this this time of year, but uh, you can tell the difference of missing Aaron in that that Bucks Wolves team has has made. How do you fancy their chances now, having talked about the promotion relegation scenario? Well, as, as I'm not sure we've said it enough this season, but the best ability is availability, right? So is like we we I don't know where Aaron was. Was it just this weekend he couldn't make? Is he is he now you know off traveling the world for the next month or so? And he's not going to be there for uh, for finals or or playoffs or anything. I don't know. Um, if it's if it's just the one week, then uh, I imagine come. Um, Come playoff times, they'll be back to their normal, um, their normal sort of consistent selves. Uh, they certainly feel as if they've kind of uh, got a bit shaky towards the end of this season. Um, it's not quite the hot start that they had, uh, but yeah, it's it's all about personnel. If, uh, if they, they need to, they need to get a couple of good training sessions under their belt and really sort of steady the ship because some of the most important games of the year are coming up. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll move on to our next game then in the East. So we've got Waveney Wolves 41 and Salisbury City Marauders 33. Quite a nice win to round out the year for the Waveney Wolves, who've definitely had a, a, an impressively growing year, I would say. They, they've pulled out some results that they definitely didn't have the years years past and put points on teams that um, that they would have otherwise had uh, a shutouts against, I think. Um, your appraisal of Waveney's year, Lewis? Yeah, so a real coming of age year for Waveney and, and really impressive, um, really competitive in, in the games that they should have been competitive in and um, putting up 41 points is is, a, is is quite impressive for them as well. So, like I say, a really nice way for them to, to round out the year. I mean, just looking at sort of stats on the year as well, just looking at the South, um, you've got Aidan Marcelli's in the top three. Uh, for receiving touchdowns with 27 uh, up there with Harley Labbott and Jack Jarrett. So that's, you know, that's some pretty impressive company to be keeping um, when you're talking about receiving touchdowns. Uh, yeah, the sky's the limit for those guys. They just keep on that trajectory of going up and up. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking about them in, in 
promotion races and finals day stuff in uh, the not too distant future. Absolutely. And, and and flipping the script over to Salisbury then, score 33 points, quite a high score for them on the basis of their year, but still come away with a loss. How do you appraise their year? Uh, it all started so well, didn't it, for Salisbury, but it's just been... I, I imagine for them, scoring 33 points and, and still coming away with a loss has got to be quite uh, quite gutting, but yeah, it's... It's been a rocky year for them. They had such a hot start and um, definitely a team that we kind of put an asterisk next to next to, um, to, to keep an eye on. But as the weeks went by, just the, the results didn't come, did they? No, and, and they've been in some games all year, I would say. They, they've beaten teams that you maybe would expect them to, to get results against. But against those against those probably the next tier up of, of competition, they haven't really offered a lot, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of teams like Sharksby, where I think actually this is where you need to show a bit. It's probably their next jump, isn't it, to try and make inroads into those types of teams? Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good um, comparison as well. I think coming out of the end of last year, uh, Salisbury City and Sharksby were probably you know in in similar sort of tiers, um, but clearly uh, Sharksby have taken that next step, um, and I think they've opened up a bit of a gap between themselves and Salisbury. Absolutely. And then just to appraise the game, because obviously, Lewis, you, neither me or you were, were there and, and we don't necessarily have a game report on this one, but some some key stats that sort of stand out. So Alistair Monroe with six passing touchdowns and Aidan Marcelli with four receiving touchdowns and Polly Monroe leading tackles with five on the day. No stats for Salisbury. Um, hopefully when we move fully to uh, playways next year, we'll get more detail. Um, but that is it for the East. Let's move to the West. Uh, should we start with the Falcons Coyote game, Lewis? I think that was twenty six twenty one off the top of my head. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, an interesting game. It was the first first game of the day, and um, <laughs> they they played alone. They were the only they were the only team on at the time, so everyone was watching. And uh, they played to them. It absolutely pissed it down during this game. I was gonna go stand on the sideline, but uh, I'm watching get a closer view, but. Not in that rain. Decided to stay in my dry robe under the uh, in the bandstand um, and uh, and watch from afar. But yeah, really back and forth game. Like these these guys really sort of slugged it out. And there was uh, it was it was you know Falcons would score, Coyotes would score right back. When the Falcons got stopped, the Coyotes would get a stop. Um, to be honest, I I must have missed a score because I wasn't sure where the extra the extra score came from. I saw uh, I saw the Coyotes go for a two point conversion at one point um and they got it and uh i thought oh maybe i maybe i'd missed a um maybe i'd missed an extra point <laughs> they were using the two-point conversion um to get to get back on track so i was quite surprised when the game ended and and there was a, a touchdowns difference um almost uh yeah so um but fair play yeah it was it was a back and forth game coyote stuck with them all the way uh, but the falcons just just edged it with the touchdown and again, similar to how we've done with the uh, with the East, then let's let's do some appraisals of seasons. Then I won't make you comment too much on Exeter, but let's focus on Cardiff Bay. Two wins on the year, one of them coming from the forfeit from Western. Um, you know, comparing their year this year to last, they've gone backwards in terms of wins. But you'd say, I think on the balance, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lewis, that they're actually playing a lot higher quality football. I think so, yeah, and I think it's it's really unfortunate to see them where they where they are in the table um, with with only two wins and and only one com- like com- competitive win. Um, they have played. I think their their standard of, of football has been improved on last year. 
Um, so it's, and, but it's just, it's, I don't know, it's that clutch ability, isn't it? Just closing out games. Um, and I think we've said this about them before is, you know, once you get a lead, being able to, to keep that lead and, and, and salt the game away and just close it out. It's just finishing. It's just the next level that, that sort of the higher teams can do. Um, some really close games in their, uh, in their schedule this year that they'll be easily could have gone the other way. So yeah. Um, don't be too disheartened is what I would say to, to the Coyotes with, with how the season looks. I think you played better football this year than you did last year. So you're on the right path. Absolutely. Some more, some more opportunities in some off season tournaments for them. And I think they'll be, uh, they'll be again, be able to notch it up a step and hopefully compete in that again. Let's go a tear up and say it's, it's teams like Gwent, right. And, and probably around that Waveney mark that they need to be, need to be digging into for the next year and, and, and being able to take some of those games away from teams. Yeah, I think that's right. Like those those teams like Waveney and um and and Sharksby and Gwent Gators, yeah, those are team like those are games that they need to be thinking that they can compete in and, and maybe take a win away. Yeah, and foreshadowing down to, to playoff stuff, but that is that sort of that really, really low tier, you know, right on the cusp of whether you go to finals or not sort of sort of teams. And if you can get a decent amount of number of those wins under your belt, you can go to the big games, right? So it's it's not far away for Cardiff, I don't think. I th- they are, they are going to have one year, I think, where they're just going to go with it and they'll they'll get a run on. Um, and then final fixture to talk about, I guess we have to talk about King's Hammerheads, don't we? Uh, yeah. Lewis, go on. Uh, it from your perspective, mate. So this was, yeah, this was this was the big hype game. This was, you know, Swansea have been uh, near perfect since um, since game day one, where they they dropped the two games that they dropped to to Kingsham and Exeter. Um, well, they yeah, they have they lost two games on the year, both of them um, both of them in that first ever game day, and they've been pretty much perfect ever since. Uh, all the chatter has been how they you know staying with the Kings right on their heels. Um, you know, they want that top spot. Uh, they wanted revenge um, for the loss. Uh, no, no Ash Lewis on the day, which was which was big. Um, but I think uh, I think they they I mean they they came out in the first couple of drives, um, scored on their first drive. Harley Labber is is playing quarterback. Um, scored on the first drive. Uh, we marched down the field in return and and dropped a pass in the end zone on fourth down. Swansea go back and, and and score again. So they they start the game in the first three drives with a with a two score lead. So it's a mountain to climb for the Kings. Um, and I think our our it, it was it was back and forth. Then it was you know team gets a score, the other team gets a score, team gets a stop, other team gets a stop. Um, right up until uh, right up until sort of halfway through the second half, I think. And we talked about this at halftime. You know, all we needed was the defense to get that one stop. And, and that's all it would take. We'd be right back in it, and, and and they did. So we were able to get that get that stop, get get the scoreboard back uh, back in line, tie it up, um, and it came right down to the last second. Then didn't it? Because they they marched down the field for the. We managed to tie it up. There's a there's an absolute toe tapping fingernail on the whitewash uh, for the extra point um, right at the back of the end zone. After the Kings have tied it up, Chris Greener uh, is just got a got a, a pinky toe in the white at the back of the end zone and was uh, and was marked to be out of bounds. So the extra point was no good. That ties the game rather than uh, Kingsham going up. Um, Swansea march it back, uh, looking for the for the game winning 
touchdown and it's picked off by Nick Schmidt, who almost run it back for the for the walk-off pick six, but gets tackled at the halfway line and and that's how it ends. That was all zero. So really exciting game, really back and forth. Swansea jumped out to a to an early lead. Kings did really well to to uh, pull it back to a tie. Um, and then in the closing seconds, almost all kinds of drama. Yeah, and I was talking to Nick afterwards, um, who got that pick, and he said to me, quote-unquote, I had no idea what time was left. I almost took a knee. So <laughs> from an excitement point of view, I'm glad he didn't. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he's, not known, he's not known for his fluid hips yet. We'll work on that as we go through the, uh, the off-season, I think, try and run one of those back. But yeah, full credit to Swansea. Obviously, as you say, Ash Lewis not there. Um, tried to keep it a bit under wraps, but we kind of knew that was going to be the case. But Harley Lebet, that quarterback, is still still the best athlete on the field, right? At the end of the day, he's going to cause you a problem, um, both with his feet and just being able to extend plays and run around there because, quite simply, he is, he's got that twitch. Um, and to put it all together, he can still throw the ball the length of the field if he wants to as well. So he had a really, really good day filling in there. I'm not sure he wants to return to quarterback. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's having fun so much there. He'll be, he'll be a receiver by trade for the rest of his life. But um, it certainly, it certainly is a, a, a good, good measuring stick for, for potentially postseason action that will come. Uh, both these teams obviously involved in the promotion games, which are, we've had some, we've had some date moves around, which is going to affect some availability for teams. I know that. Um, but I think with more of a focus on the final, let's walk through the teams that have qualified. So, Cajun Kings going as number one seed, Revisure Raptors in number two spot, Coventry Panthers, who's technically a southern team, although they play in the Midlands, at three, Manchester Titans to be at four, Warrington Revolution at five, London Spark getting the sixth seed, massive for that London franchise, getting all three teams into postseason action. Massively ooh, impressive. Ooh. Uh, Swansea Hammerheads coming in seventh, which feels really harsh considering the season they've had, right? Really, really harsh. But um, I think that tie probably probably pushes them over the edge. Uh, Leeds Samurai uh, in eighth. Glasgow Killer Bees in ninth. Border City Centurions making their debut finals uh, in tenth. Murray Distillers in eleventh. Linkshire Longhorns in twelfth. Nottingham Honey Badgers thirteenth. And then three southern teams to budge up the rest of the table in Bucks Wolves Sharks B making their first uh, finals appearance and then Gwent Gators as well returning I believe I want to say off the top of my head they were either the 15th or 16th seed last year so maintaining the status quo uh, by making it into finals as well again same question to you guys in general any names that surprise you there that have made the finals uh, I think Sharks B making, making finals I think is big for them yeah. that's definitely a testament to the to the success of their season Absolutely. I think they've, you know, we were saying it vaguely earlier, they're a team that have definitely gone up a gear, haven't they? They've they've been more disciplined. They've got a bit younger in places. They've they've figured out some of their systems a little bit well. And it's kind of those, it's those one or two wins that, that make it count to get you into the, into the postseason action when actually, let's be honest, wins really don't matter after that point. It's all about how you play on the day. Yeah, and, and like you were saying earlier, you know, we probably put Sharksby and, and Cardiff Bay Coyotes in the same bag at the end of last year. And like one year later, look at it, look how different it is. So like Cardiff, it can happen, uh, you know, this time next year, we could be talking about you making your playoffs debut. Uh, it's, it is just consistency. The one thing that I have said about Sharksby all year long is they, they do the basics really well. Their fundamentals are great. I think the other thing to note, especially in Div 1, um, is that we've seen a couple of teams jump up um, towards the top that maybe either weren't in and around that conversation last year um, or have springed up quite um, drastically in the standings from um, 
previous years. I, I think Coventry Panthers, yourselves at Canesham. Um, I'm sure there's a few teams in the north as well, but I think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic in finals day where uh, I think a lot of teams will reckon they have a shot at winning. Um, it seems very open, at least to me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, I mean, it's it's very easy to say, well, because the South in general was strong in Division 1 last year when we went to finals day, but it's easy to, and it's easy to write off some of the teams from different divisions. But I do genuinely believe anybody down to about probably seed nine i would say has got an opportunity to win the whole thing you know we saw it last year where swansea made a big old run and and, and i think everybody's expecting them to do the same thing this year even from the seventh seed um and, and you've got teams like renfrewshire who have only lost one game all year in the second seed that really let's be honest we know nothing about so it it's going to be really really open and, and just to give them a shout out as well london spark are going in with the, the best points differential in terms of points given up um all year which at 229 which is is just an amazing stat to give up across the whole season and they're in the sixth seed so they're going to surprise some teams with the strength of defense as well it's going to be it's going to be a really really good contest i really wish i wasn't playing in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you like you said i think you're right about how far down it goes because like that ninth seed glasgow killer bees um you know that they've they've come a long way this year and i think the, the big difference for them is being uh sort of led now this start this year by Alan Young, formerly of the Hornets, um, you know, the GB Lions head coach, like that is definitely paying dividends for them getting them to a to a finals game. Um, uh, another in- interesting point, uh, as you're saying, it's a shame to see Swansea as far down as seventh. You've got the fourth best record in the league, but Unfortunately, they are playing in the best and the most competitive division in all of football, which is the Southwest. So uh, even though they've got the fourth best record, they are bumped down to seventh um, by virtue of not being a division winner. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's a great point. I think it's super open. Uh, It'll be a really, really interesting weekend. Hopefully it'll be a bit more entertaining than the playoff uh, for promotion weekend that we're we're having shifted around. Um, But yeah. Can't wait to go to Manchester, really. Well, that about wraps up our uh, game day review. I know me and Lewis are planning to go to a pub somewhere to do the uh, the playoff and finals um, forecast. So we, we may tweet out uh, where we are if you want to come and join us and give us your views live on the podcast um, whilst we're up in Manchester on the Friday. Um, but for now, let's find out more about our special guest, Brian Tabor. Um, and Brian, first question I've got for you is just just tell us a little bit more about how you got into flag football. Sure. Um, yeah, so I was literally just on a jog near my flat and went by this green and I saw our uh, your other uh, presenter, lukewarm champion, uh, throwing a football with a mate of his. And I was just kind of like, you know, I kind of miss home and haven't thrown a football in years and looks like fun. So I walked over to him and just asked if I could throw with him. And uh, it, it was this was at the part of the you know, time of COVID where they were just allowing us back out into parks, but uh, it was still kind of hands face face type of thing. And they're like, well, I don't know if we should, you know, germs and all, but you know, he's American, maybe you can throw this thing. So uh, they said, sure, here's the ball. And uh, I threw the ball and first one went directly into the ground. Uh, wasn't great. <laughs> but then I started firing him off and I go, okay, you can actually throw the ball and then became friends and did that for a, a couple months time, just kind of meeting up in the park every, you know, once in a while. And then at some point he said, Hey, you know, we're not doing the park thing anymore. I found this club called London smoke. And they're they're pretty serious. They have like flags and everything. They travel all over the UK and even to Europe. And 
it's pretty competitive. I think you might enjoy it if you come check it out. And uh, so I did. Wow. Luke Champion there. But I never knew he was such an expert recruiter like that. Yeah. Well, uh, a wild tip for all of you new teams there. Just go and just go and chuck a ball around in a park somewhere and then and then drag people to your to your flag football club. That's the that's the learning really from that. Um and Brian, favorite moment from this season so far? I guarantee uh, granted we've got uh, Manchester to come and, and I'm sure there'll be some successes that go on up there, but uh favorite moment if you, you up until this point in the season? I definitely was playing in uh my first international tournament at Sport Monda. That was so much fun. First of all, Copenhagen is one of my favorite cities to just travel and visit. I've been there. This was my sixth time. And actually, I have some friends who uh, live there in Copenhagen I met back in 2016 and been in contact with ever since. And always like to meet up with them and have a pint and uh, some dinner and catch up and whatnot. So it was kind of nice to be able to you know go up and hang out in a city I love see some friends and play a whole lot of football and, and just have a really good time. And, you know, we, when we went to that tournament, we really didn't have expectations of, you know, winning it certainly or getting to the finals. And, uh, you know, we, after day one, we were undefeated. We're like, yeah, I think we actually can go pretty deep into this thing. So let's uh, be uh, a little bit more mindful about our alcohol intake tonight and uh, make see how deep we can go. We ended up making it all the way to the final and lost in a, very frustrating shootout, um, but uh, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, and Sport Munda Bowl is one of those one of those competitions that I think doesn't get the recognition it really deserves. Really, really well run tournament. I know Gareth talked about this a couple a year ago when he sort of he said the Sharks have gone out there and actually people hype up King Bowl, they hype up Big Bowl, and these are great tournaments. But Sport Munda Bowl actually is up there. It's 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 well organized. It's got lots of brackets. Copenhagen is a fantastic city. Um, it's yeah. certainly one for the for the European traveller of flag football to absolutely go and tick off the bucket list. I'd say. I feel yeah, like Sport Mondo was it this this year for Sport Mondo was its breakout year. I think I I kind of heard about it last year, but like not in a very sort of. I didn't think it was that big. I think this year it was pretty big. Um, I think a lot of a lot of British teams or at least a lot of British players went out there as well. So it was like all over things like where we HNC it first and fifteen covering it, you know, stuff like that. it was like I I was much more aware of it this year than I was in previous years. Well, and I think you know the the previous year year I didn't go, um, and our our team was very light on the the, the flash representative team was pretty late on players and it, they had some challenges you know, with guys getting injured and stuff and so it wasn't super fun but you know this year you know we took a bigger squad um it was about 60 percent flash 40 percent spark players um so good hybrid combination to get some of the guys from spark to, to play and i mean we had joe poland who's the you know, quarterback for spark was uh, our starting defender and did a little bit of receiver as well and you know he was awesome uh you know, I, I love joe I miss, I miss having him on on flash but uh, you know he wants to play qb so he's doing a great job with, with spark but it's fun i'd be able to play again with you know him you know this year because i had so much fun playing with him last season and it was nice to be able to reconnect with him and then also some of the other guys on spark that i play with at, at training all the time but don't actually get to play with you know in baffa so it's nice to have that opportunity to you know, play with those guys in a competitive nature and it was a super well-run tournament everyone was lovely a uh, good mix of teams, both in the elite and the leisure division, you know, uh, and then yeah, Copenhagen is just such a great city. It's, you know, easy transport to get around the town. Uh, so it, there's all, the only downside is it's not a cheap city. So it is a little pricey, but uh, you know, if you just go into knowing that and save up for it, you can have a good time. 
yeah, top tip from the Devils is buy duty free on the way out there. Because um, <laughs> that, that sorted our Friday night at least. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's move on to something more more flag related then. So uh, if you could pick Brian one player in the in the flag football scene um, that's not in your again I don't have a collective term for London team the the, the smoke flash spark organization. Yeah, smoke is the team. umbrella term. I know, I know, I know, but I, I don't want to do, I don't want to do some of the, the the other teams a disservice. It feels like it's, you know, it's all, all smoke then. But yes, if it, if it was someone outside of the London Smoke organization to add to your team in the whole of the flag football sphere, who would you be adding? Um, I'd I'd probably have to go with Liam Harper. Uh, yeah. So shout out to him. And, and and I think the reason is twofold. It's you know he's. Yeah, you know, I, I hear Charlie, you know, when I'm hanging out with Charlie, he tells me the scattered reports on all the players and everything, and he can't speak highly enough about Liam and what he does as a blitzer. And, you know, I've seen so many clips of him as a receiver, and it's just that dual threat on both sides of the ball, and especially on a team like mine where I've had so many issues with injuries. If you have a player that you can definitely uh, count on on both sides of the ball, that that's a huge plus. And, and you know, on the offensive side, if you have a, someone that – you can count on to just go up and, and get it. You know, he, he's kind of similar to, to a JJ, you know, but you said, I can't pick someone from his, some of my own organization. So, you know, he, you know, he, he's, he's fast. He runs good routes. He catches everything. You can just put it up there and trust he's going to come down with it. And then also he's an amazing blitzer. So even if you have another blitzer, you know, and you need to rest him, you got, you know, Liam to come in and, and uh, you put serious pressure on, on the quarterback in those reps. So I think from the dual threat side and having that, tall, fast, catches everything type of guy. And, and we talked earlier about, you know, conversion. XPs are so big that if you have a guy that's really tall, you can just run five-yard curls, throw it high, and convert a one-pointer every time easily. You know, it's a, it, I think that's a huge thing. He's also incredibly intelligent. He is so smart. Um, oh, he's, do- he's a doctor. He's a doctor, yeah. So, they, you know, they don't give those away. Um, well, but that's like, the third like, reason. Football smart. With all our well. injuries, we need doctors. <laughs> I told my players, I said, okay, guys, you know, the, the, who, the single guys on the team, new prerequisite, you got to make sure that your girl, whoever you date's like a physical therapist or massage therapist or something, because we're, we're going to need that. We're going to need some help with all these injuries, but pretty much everyone on my team is either married or their uh, significant others are long-term. So we're really short on that pool of trying to bring in that kind of uh, assistance for our squad. <laughs> I've never heard of such a recruitment tactic, right? To send the single guys out to go and date doctors. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's un- genius. Unreal levels of detail there. But yeah, the idea of Leon Harper coming in and being a, obviously the superstar player he is and, and also a consummate professional, um, essentially the, the, the face of the face of that gold team for the um, I5 tournament that's coming. He's uh, also a showman, right? Like, did you see him at King Bowl, like hyping up the crowd? He caught that big touchdown in the back of the end zone and then like does a lap of honor and everyone was like whipping their shirts around in the mm-hmm. air and he's hyping everyone. Like the guy knows how to work a crowd. He he likes he likes it he loves it he loves it but also in Brian's in Brian's world he's also like this this Call of Duty healer sort of guy right that's running around just fixing <laughs> fixing team members as he goes as well so triple, what triple a, threat what, what we, can't we this it. man do is is the, is the question I must ask I might have to ban Liam Harper as an answer on this question in future yeah yeah <laughs> everybody knows Liam Liam Harper's your answer but if you can't have Liam who would you have yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Gary Elliott is the answer. This is going to be a new segment. I think you have to start like taking it uh, a, like a draft. Like now he's off the table. Whoever the, the first person was that was taken, they're off the table. 
I like that. I like that. I think I can, we can't use these people. We can Gary, do that. Gary Elliott is definitely number two. The guy plays quarterback, he plays safety, he plays receiver. Again, incredibly intelligent. I don't know anybody who is as smart on a football field as, as Gary Elliott. He's definitely number two. Is he a doctor, though? Um, well, that's the difference, isn't it? That's why Liam's one and Gary's two. Mm. What does wife put, or wife do? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if he's playing for Brian, if he's playing for Brian, he's sending Gary out to go and scout for female doctors. I, look, it's all part of the family. I mean, that's, you know, that's a plus to like, uh, you know, Andrew Cooper. What, you know, the, one of the best parts about having him come back to our squad is that, you know, his, his uh, girlfriend is uh, as a yoga instructor. That so, was the, know, that she... was one of the weirdest experiences of, of finals last year was I can't remember what I was doing, but I was like wandering around the bar area downstairs. I opened this door and the entire London organization is just all in there doing team yoga. It was <laughs> the just... best. We're, we're planning to do it this year. I, I'm telling you, it's yoga is one of those things that I wish I would had a bigger interest in or just made more time for it because yeah, I actually felt so much better after that. I didn't want to feel that good. And, but uh, it was it was actually really beneficial. It kept everyone in the right mindset, and it, it was positive. So yeah, that, that was another plus. Plus is is uh, his his girlfriend Tabitha, and also the cat Pyro is our mascot, which is fantastic. Brilliant, brilliant. And Brian, what would your walkout song be? My walkout song? Yeah. So you know, like if you've got a big boxing match, they'll they'll get a they'll get a tune on as they come out into the ring. Imagine you know you're you're getting announced in a big stadium. What would your walkout song be? Oh, I think it's got to be, uh, what is the name of that band? It, it would have to be a, it would have to be a song that, that would just make people go like WTF, like not trying to be like the hard, you know, cause all these boxers come out, it's like hardcore thuggy, you know, I'm going to mess you up type of stuff. I think I'd have to go to like, like with like Wilson Phillips, you know, like hold on something like that just to make people okay. go like, what the actual heck is going on here? We should give you some Venga Boys then, Brian. Some what? <laughs> some Venga Boys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't think that that's quite weird enough. I I think if you really want to go weird, you go Benny Hill, don't you? <laughs> no, now you're just now you're just off the rails. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sorry. I, 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 I'd, I'd have to go some something funny like that, like pump music. I, I listen to like like metal. That's that's my thing. I listen to, and I'm you know getting ready to play. I thought you were going to go for someone like Alter Bridge. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Alter I could Bridge, imagine you. Know, what the, was the What was the song that they that, um, they had? There was was it? It was either Batista or Edge had an Alter Bridge song as they walk out music. Um, it was Edge. It was Edge. Edge. Yeah, I could I could imagine yeah. you having that. I have a, a lot of Alter Bridge Tremani because the Tremani stuff is actually heavier. So um, I do a lot of Tremani. Uh, there's a band called Skillet that I like a lot of their their songs. That's kind of uh, Metallica, of course. So th- those are kind of my my pump up songs. And Brian, are you a hunter or are you a gatherer? <laughs> my hunter or a gatherer? In which context? Life. Um, it's just a bizarre question. I don't really. So I've asked it. Thanks, Jay. Uh, I don't know a hunter or a gatherer. I mean, I like to go out and do stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It's a weird question. Pat. <laughs> Good. Good insight. Good insight. Final question: Papadums or bread? A what? 
you know what? Has have you have you had a poppadom yet? I don't no. know. That. You've not. You've never had a poppadom. Well, I mean, no. maybe. I don't know. You have a lot of weird stuff here that I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd have to explain what a poppadom is. Right. So, well, have you been how many Americans have you, have you had on your podcast? You are the first one. I will. It there be. you go. Um, but I, know I never had American. a snake bite until I went to to, to uh, the pub in Reading. Yeah, well, that's just a Reading thing. That's 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 because they... that's because real real ale has not <laughs> made it to Reading yet, and they're still putting juice in their beer. Um, they banned so... it at Exeter University. Yeah, well, rightly so. Rightly so. Trying to do a white T-shirt social with snake bite, by the way. Never <laughs> Impossible. But a, a poppadom, Brian, is. Have you ever been for a curry? Yes. Right. Which I've uh... also learned just means going for Indian food. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, obviously. Because see, I'm a I'm a lamb biryani fan, so I would I would go with that versus like your butter chicken. So if you yeah. said, do you want to go for a curry? I'd be like, no, but I'd like a lamb biryani. If you say, let's go for Indian food, I'm in. Uh, there's all these cultural differences we never knew about. But so for your for your Indian food, then at the start, do they not offer you a light, crispy snack in the shape of a disc? Oh yeah, not a big fan of those. I, I prefer a good old garlic naan. Okay, so he's a he's a bread man. There we go. Well, that wraps up a. Yeah, we got uh, to a... the bottom of it. We took the long, the longest route possible to get off that highway, but we found the exit. We absolutely. Uh, I, people I'm, will I'm... still be asking me whether you're a hunter or a gatherer, so I will need you to think on and change your your Instagram bio to that once you figure that out. I'm I'm curious <laughs> if you don't if you know what it is, but you don't call it a poppadom. What do you call it? Oh, that's a good question. An edible frisbee. <laughs> It's, it's so the, it's the so American your, your sense curry, of just literacy, isn't it? It's just, we're just literally order. call it what it is. You're Indian that, order. That's Britain. Are you kidding me? Everything is on the nose here. <laughs> so, so you go to a curry you... house and your order is, can I get a lamb biryani and a crispy frisbee? <laughs> no, I would, I would ask for the garlic naan. <laughs> <laughs> With a snake bite, please, sir. With a snake bite. <laughs> No, yeah, well, the, 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 unfortunately, the the beer at uh, Indian restaurants doesn't uh, meet my my very high craft beer standards. So I just oh, well, go for yes, water. I, I should I should encourage people to go and follow you on social medias for your beer reviews because they are both detailed and broad. I have to say, I can't imagine a Cobra being uh, being high up on your list necessarily in uh, in your ratings. Yeah, it it it's it's a one, uh, so on on untapped or 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 less so it's not uh it's not one that i would go ahead and post about unless i'm in a i do do a thing where i have like the worst beer possible with the best review um because typically okay in my travels i you know usually a place where there's the best views is like the worst beers so it's a <laughs> kind of a, a combination thing i find what's the absolute best view with the worst beer um it would qualify for that but i guess maybe that'd be in front of the taj mahal or something i don't know i uh i didn't see a snake bite on your social media where did uh where did the snake bite come out of ten? Um, at University of Reading. At university, specifically the one from the University of Reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the first time that I, we went for pints after playing the Devils, uh, they invited us to to go back to the pub and they introduced me to it. I thought it wasn't so bad. So yeah. So out of ten, compliment for the snake bite. It, it was a unique drink, you know. I I took it more as a you know a, a tribal thing, like you know, like they were inviting me to their you know be part of their group, kind of a rite of passage, like you know, like if if he drinks this, he's one of us. So that's kind of the way that I took it. 
Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't awful. And then, you know, of course, they started doing rolling fuzzy dice and more drinks and things started coming out. And I realized that even though I feel like I'm 40, like I'm 25 when I hang out with these guys, that's where I realized I'm actually 45. And you feel it the next day. <laughs> I've never had a more on the nose description of what a snake bite at Reading must feel like. Is you've been invited into my tribe? Pretty <laughs> <laughs> much. <laughs> brilliant good stuff okay well look guys i'm going to wrap up the podcast there um as i said to listeners we myself and lewis will be doing a pre-game show hopefully if home alone's there we'll be able to drag him down i know he'll probably be trying to take things seriously and not drink the day before uh, he plays but me and lewis will be up in manchester having a bit of fun on friday anyway so we'll be there to talk to you about uh, finals day but until then we'll catch you next time that wraps up this episode find us on facebook at first and 15 podcast Give us a like to keep up with all of our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies. Why, has Charlie Williams also got a huge cock? I feel like, Brian, you're the best place to answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>